poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. Today's Friday, which means it's a very philosophical day, and I'm joined by not only my Philosophical Friday co-host, Duncan Palamortis, but also Humberto Jimenez, who's a villager. He's been on the show. You may have heard his story. High-level poker player, Humberto. Welcome, sir. Hi. Thanks for having me, everybody. Um, good to meet you, Duncan. Absolutely, Humberto. Good to have you here. Thank you. So what's the topic of, t- of today's show, Duncan? What, what do you have cooked up for this Philosophical Friday? Well, it seems the entire community is uh, talking about a very interesting game that happened and Hustler Casino Live. I mean, we, we talked a little bit uh, last week. Um, we didn't uh, dig into it. Uh, it turns out that it uh, sort of like sparked a lot of interesting topics uh, the topic of promotion, uh, poker, promoting poker to non-professionals. So I guess that will be the main one, uh, promoting poker. Um, the image that we have to outsiders, you know, how do we look? The role that professionals play, like this is something that we can uh, think about. We can uh, ponder a little bit about it. And uh, and uh, I guess one way we can uh, we can start the conversation uh, off is first, first things first. Uh, Brad, do you think that... Um, and, and, and Humberto also, like, uh, do you guys think that uh, professionals owe anything uh, to anyone in terms of marketing, in terms of uh, new poker audiences, in terms of bringing uh, new blood into the game? Uh, so I'll actually let Humberto answer this first, since he's a self-proclaimed poker fanboy who mm-hmm. loves loves all that, that stuff. Do you, do you think that the influencers or the champions or the people who have accumulated lots of success uh, have a duty to promote the game? Um, I would say no. Uh, And it's because when you're a professional, you're playing with your own money. And so nobody's like, nobody's pretty much your boss. I think the only time that somebody actually like owes somebody like something to the community is when they're, you know, quote unquote, um, ambassador, and they're getting paid by some company to promote poker. But otherwise, I think, no. So purely transactional, only promote the game if you're making money. Well, yeah, you're getting like a lot from the company. Like that's, I, I think that's part of your job. If there's like a job outline, I think a big part of that is to promote the game. And I think when you're a professional, it's different because you're not really you don't really have a boss and so you're kind of just working for yourself which what i mean is nobody's really doing anything for you and you're not really doing anything for anybody else so i I would say and by the way i did put you on the spot there but i actually agree that it's not mandatory right like I, i don't think that anybody should think less of any human for not promoting the game of poker, despite the fact that they're a professional poker player and have accumulated success. I think that, you know, 
as you said, we buy in to tournaments with our own money. There is no sponsorship here. It's just we, we pay our own way. Um, and with that said, I, I do think that there are lots of incentives for um, maybe not promoting the game, but representing the game in a positive way, right? Not yelling at people, not berating folks, not uh, creating an unwelcoming environment to the people you're playing against. I mean, that's more so for the long-term sustainability of the game so that people keep showing up and people keep playing. But but I, I don't think that like, you know, you win a World Series of Poker, you bought into that tournament with your own money. Um, so if you want to promote, so be it. And if you don't, I don't think you owe poker anything. I think those that's two separate questions. I think there's, should you do anything to promote the game? And, and then there's like, like, is it just good to for yourself to promote the game and, and just be kind to others? And, and, and is that something that you, you value? Yeah, for sure. And I think like, I also value promoting poker because I love the game and I want it to be healthy and continue to grow in all of these things. So I think like it's an individual question and specific to the human, you know, whether or not they, they want to promote the game or feel compelled to. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So there is some good points here, right? I mean, first of all, uh, the person who plays poker, they do assume all the risk. Right, this is a very important, a very important part. Right, what we talk about skin in the game, uh, they have absolutely all the skin in 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 the game. Right, I mean they have, they assume all the risk, and they share the benefits potentially. Right, so that can be um, a potential issue. So that's one side of the thing. On the other side of the coin, however, uh, it could be beneficial in the long term, especially if it's low cost. Like for example, if what it takes is just, you know, to be a proper human being, for example, or like, you know, be, be polite to others or whatever it might be, if the cost is fairly low, uh, then it could be good for the sustainability of the ecosystem, right? That's that's another thing to, to, to consider. So I think we we can all agree. I mean, Doyle Branson has famously said, I'm not an entertainer, right? You know, he, he's sitting there like, I'm not going to entertain anybody. I'm not going to, you know, he also says, I'm not going to count my, my chips for anybody. So he's very, you know, rigid about certain things. And he's absolutely right. I mean, he's putting his own uh, stake at the table like he uh, he has everything to lose and uh, anything he can win from again from promotion he shares it with everybody else so that's not a very good deal from any professional environment and to Humberto's point you know like if you're working for somebody then you owe that to that company but not again the community so you get paid by the company you know to promote the game so in order to bring more more players to that company but anything else you do that promotes the game in general beyond that company again you share with everything everybody else and you still take all the risks, uh, unless, of course, the company, you know, it completely like covers your buy-ins and things like that, in which case you don't you don't care so much. So the risk is is so. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Go ahead. Well, I would say that these days the incentives are becoming such that promoting the game, being a cool person, being relatable, all of these things are being more incentivized in the poker space through getting spots on live streams and private games and just opportunities um, outside of actually playing poker. So, which I think is ultimately a great thing, right? Like we, we want to um, leverage the folks who are high level poker players who are engaging and 
uh, personable. We, we want to leverage those folks to help grow poker. And when they have incentive to do so, then, you know, most people are uh, rational and, and act towards their incentives. So like, basically what I'm saying is, you know, if you act like a piece of trash on a live stream, well, you don't get invited back to the live stream. Right. And that's really bad. Are you sure you. about that? I've, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. It depends on, uh, on what kind. How many bracelets you have? Yeah. yeah oh. exactly. um, you get a pass. That That's, that's fair. Uh, the the well, type of personality you, disorders you have. I mean, all of that is, is, is actually relevant. I think. Yeah. I think, I think like going back, there are some people in the space that are fairly bulletproof, but, but I would also say that like, even they have incentive as well. Things can be taken away from those folks for acting too extreme, for um, not reading the room, for doing things in such a way that that are detrimental to poker. I think even those folks can have these privileges revoked um, or minimized or their opportunities limited. So yeah, I mean. let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, you know, because this is this is specific. I mean, a lot a lot of the we can be specific. I mean, we don't have to uh, to hide behind snarky comments. I mean, the whole uh, poker community is talking about the you know the way Phil Helmuth uh, um, presented himself. He was in a very soft game uh, last week uh, at Hustler Casino Live, and uh, a lot of the things that he did were against what you would expect in a, in a game of that caliber, right? I mean, he was buying short, um, berating winning players and uh, the only female player at the table, no less. And uh, he was trying to make it all about himself and all the other things that he did. You know, three hands later, he was talking about a hand he lost like two, two hands ago that nobody cares about when there's like, you know, quarter of a million dollars in the middle. Um, not straddling, the, the only person who was not straddling. Now, um, the, the, I know we're laughing, but I think there is actually a lot of interesting questions because it's a contemptuous laugh. Like it's more of like, why on God's earth would you do such a thing? I think I, I think I finally have an answer to that. I mean, I've been asking that question myself for a long time, but I think I may have an answer to that, or at least an approach to an answer, because it's 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 a very it's a very good question. But before we we go there, why would you do something like that? The question is. Uh, again, does he have to answer to anybody? Did he do anything wrong? Let's start with that. Did he do anything wrong? I guess right. it depends on your definition of wrong. Yes, please. And that's I like somewhat that. subjective, right? Like yes. It, it's Define it however you like. Their own. Um, my answer would be yes. He did okay. do things wrong. Because right. I look at wearing the mantle of a professional poker player, being in the position that he's in, um, has to take responsibility and, you know, just <laughs> do a better job of, of representing what it means to be a professional poker player and somebody that plays for higher stakes. And, and yeah, like to me, I just, and obviously Helmuth is like well-known for doing these types of things and, and these types of shenanigans. But like I said last week, right? Like, I think there's a time and a place um, when it's maybe the softest game that, has I've ever seen publicly, <laughs> right? Like just the, the softest game that I've, I've ever seen. Um, and you're not having fun. You're not straddling. You're berating people like, dude, these are like very, um, inexperienced poker players. I just think like, it just, it's bizarre to me that he didn't act more professional, which maybe comes to a shock to the listener of, the podcast, but 
you know i i think like <laughs> we we all have like there, there's a place for these like shenanigans right like you're at a final table with six guys and a seven card stud event or whatever it is and you threaten to burn you know the rio to the ground and these are all like very experienced players who could care less about Helmuth, whatever he says, right? I mean, many people from that final table publicly was like, I thought it was hilarious. Like, I wasn't offended at all, right? Um, but, like, that's a very different situation. And, like, not really understanding that the two situations are different and there's a time and a place for your poker brat persona to manifest, and that just ain't it. Um, yeah, to me, it, it rubbed me the wrong way, and I, I think it was wrong. Excellent. And I think, Huberto, you wanted something to yeah, add to this. Yeah, I, I have a different perspective. I think that he didn't do anything wrong. So essentially what he did was he... So how he got into the game was him acting as he does. So he was just being himself. And once he played on the game, that's essentially what he did. And so I don't think you can say he did anything wrong because when somebody, when he gets invited, he's kind of expected to act this way, and he did act this way. And then there's another thing, which is we as more experienced players have no idea how less experienced players uh, interpreted his actions. That's true. I, I would say that like, did not expect not to be the only person there not straddling, right? To be short buying. I mean, that that to me is like quite unexpected. The blow up, the, you know, doing his thing, that that is like par for the course. But yeah. I think more- Having watched a lot of live streams, I would actually expect Phil Helmuth to short by in that game. I, I was about to say, this is very consistent with his personality, uh, trying to get uh, any part of EV that he can. And I think this brings back to the sort of like, uh, quote unquote, answer in, in, in that question. Why or God, why would you behave like that? And I think it all comes down to, uh, you know, uh, some sort of like... Uh, and 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 I actually think it, it could explain it a lot, like some sort of like personality disorder, you know, like narcissism, actual narcissism, you know, because the thing about as we as we're having a, a good, uh, I think the the cat agrees, uh, Brad. Like he's like, yes, yes, that's why. <laughs> What's the name of the cat? Shuri. Yeah. Shuri. Okay. Putting her tail in my face. Uh, if you're listening, you can't. You obviously can't hear it or see it, but uh, yeah, I'm just getting swarmed. Okay, yes, sure, yes. So she's uh, totally excited. But uh, uh, narcissism would actually be very consistent. I mean, it's not the only explanation, but that's a theory that could be highly consistent with everything. It really doesn't matter what the situation is. It is all about the person. And, you know, if they think, you know, they um, a certain situation is going to be net beneficial to them, regardless of how it looks, regardless of, you know, what uh, the grand scheme of things may be, then you know they they they're going for it. It's all about themselves, and sometimes they can only see the short term instead of the of, of the longer term. My thing um, is like, is it even necessary? Like you know, Humberto brought up the point that like you know that's who Phil Helmuth is, right? Um, that that's why he gets booked on there. But I would like ask the question of is it even necessary, right? Like with his number of bracelets, with his long term success, this whole like poker brat thing. It, it, to me. I think he would get invited regardless just because of his poker success, right? Um, in the same way that like Phil Ivey gets on these streams all the time. And I have barely heard Phil Ivey say like 
three sentences on any poker stream ever, right? He, he's just very quiet and calculated and he's just playing cards. I, I've never seen Phil Ivey pass up a straddle or, or buy in short. Um, so I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I let Humberto answer that, but I do have a comment on this. Yes, Humberto. Okay. I, well, I think the difference is that Tomika has been doing that, like his persona for 30 years. And also it's not something that was kind of thrust upon him. He himself thought of the nickname poker brat and he himself has, has, this is just how supposedly just how he acts. So, so uh, Humberto, just to, to to clarify, you think this is a sort of like an artificial or a natural persona? Um, I think this is an, an actual persona. I think it's 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 Great. kind of amplified for TV. But from what I've heard, I, I think that's that's the case. And more so, what I'm saying is is the way Halmuf has gotten invited to these games originally, at least, is different from the way Phil Ivey would get invited from these games. And and he's kind of just you know already in motion of i'm this poker brat i'm this is how i act this is how i get invited to games and to just change would be unnecessary for him at this point i think in his mind do you think it's a it's a consequence of who he is like a we can call it like a, a happenstance or a happy coincidence uh or do you think it's something that he actually cultivates because it gives him a spot in those games I would say it's just a consequence of who he is, and I think it uh, it leads back to what you're saying about his narcissistic narcissistic tendencies. Mm -hmm. I, w I would actually agree with that. I think it's just that uh, it just so happens to be, and I think actually the idea, the whole idea of the, of the poker brat, is a self defending mechanism for him to absolve some of the things that because he has uh, he has some dissonance, right? I mean, he sits back. A lot of people are saying that he's actually a, a nice guy other than that. I mean, and, and some narcissists are just because, you know, somebody has a personality disorder doesn't mean they're a bad person. I mean, psychopaths are a little bit different. But the the idea that, you know, you can um, then have to confront some of the horrible things you said and then start giving like refunds to people or buying them tickets because that happens a lot. It shows that you have some inner conflict that people at the very least, it hurts your your image. So. I think that that idea of a poker brat is a way for him to absolve him of all his wrongdoings. And, uh, you know, by saying that, he says, now, you know what, now I'm a poker brat. I can do, I can be as much of an asshole as as, as I want to be. And that actually brings another question, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, can people do whatever they want on uh, uh, national television and uh, in poker environments? What do you mean by whatever they want? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, provide like, is, is it okay to, to hide behind, uh, you know, uh, nicknames like that, you know, just, uh, this is the villain exactly the same way that, uh, you know, professional wrestling, you know, going to say, okay, that's, that's the villain. That's how he acts. I mean, that's who he is. It's, it's perfectly fine. I mean, he can berate people because that's what he does. Does do past experiences sort of like justify future tendencies? I would say no. I, I would say that's that's a different question from like, did he do anything wrong? I, I don't think he did anything wrong in the sense that, you know, he he acted like he was supposed to act. But is do I feel the way that he acted is is correct? No, I don't. I don't feel he did. I think that, you know, I do agree with Brad that that he is an ambassador and he should he should act a certain way. But but more so, but more so, it's it's I think just like as a human. I don't think it's good to berate other people, mm -hmm. especially if they're 
brand new to the game and and they don't know that much about the game to you know i mean he has 40 years plus experience and let's be like he's in his mid 50s right these are like 20 something year old kids too like that's another like weird thing like uh you know helmuth has kids and you know the youtube older than them older than them right like is Mm -hmm. this how he treats his kids like i i don't know probably i mean you know narcissists wouldn't care right you know like oh boy. It's, now yeah, we're... no i mean no i'm not i'm not i'm actually i think i think it actually makes sense right it's it there's not like it it it, it, it could explain a lot of things and and i think if you if you want to wear if you want to wear the uh, the tag of a poker brat you know that's you know you, you should accept the fact that you're probably like behaving like that in at any point where the stakes are really high you know i guess if one of his kids beat him uh, at, at a at, at, a, at a pod, yeah, it's probably going to be rated them exactly the same way. Like it makes sense, right? I mean, it would it would be consistent. I would be surprised if it was any other way. He wouldn't be as authentic. And I think that I, authentic. I, I actually have some insight into this, which is um, Helmuth talks about how when he was a kid, his brothers and sisters were better than him academically, and they were better than him athletically, and so games were the only thing that were really his thing. And so when he would play a game and somebody would get lucky, yes, he would berate his own brothers and sisters. Well, yeah, I mean, that's your brothers and sisters. That's I've berated my sister more times than I can count when I was 13 years old and she was 10, right? Like, um, but, You know when you have the edge, Brad. I like it. Like, yeah, I, I have there, yet there to go. berate my kids in Candyland, though. I have yet to, to go nuts on them. Like, what are you thinking? How could you do that? You're so stupid. No. Like, have you tried it, though, Brad? What berating you, my kids? Berating your kids? How do you know you wouldn't like it if you haven't? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. I think um, I think about a quote Helmuth said when uh, he was berating somebody, and he he tells the he tells another professional to tells him that tells him to calm down is like to you this is poker to me this is my life, and I think that I think that's the difference between you and him, which is I don't I don't think poker is like the entirety of your existence you know me yeah <laughs> you're talking to me yes founder of chasing poker greatness i'm right here i mean like about you're, poker. you know i wake up i pull up slack i look at strategy i coach like 10 guys every single week i, I would it's safe to say that poker is more a part of my life than most any human being on the face of the planet then berate your kids what are you doing <laughs> you know the, the the funny thing however like if we want to be nitty-gritty and you know put some nuance uh, you know philosophy philosophical sure. fighters and all that uh i think there is a fundamental difference to uh, have your entire life revolving around poker and actually poker be who you are like to let it actually give a meaning to your existence that you basically you exist for that is as if it owes you owns you in some way yeah it's, right? a, it's, it's it, identity identity right it becomes it becomes your own identity which again i mean we can again the psychologist will be much much more helpful in a situation like this but like to a point where this thing becomes you like in a pathological way could be you know a very a very difficult different ball game because you can understand you know what yeah i mean i spend my every you know uh, day of the every hour of the day thinking about poker or whatever but then when it comes to family family comes first or other things come first you know but if it's the thing that defines you it might be difficult to 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 draw the line and i'm not saying it's one way or another but i i can say that the, it could be different 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll go back to your your earlier question, right? Of mm-hmm. like, is it okay to hide behind the persona, right? Mm-hmm. Or to, you know, use this persona as like a get out of poker jail free card? Um, I think the answer is no. And I'm actually like shifting my, uh, a lot of my opinions here on Helmuth, like kind of on the spot. But like, the reality is, is like he's, he's been incentivized to do what he does. Right. There's been a lot of he has a book that is called Poker Brat. So like he's made a lot of money with this persona. Um, and then at some point, like the world evolves and like hopefully the incentive structure that currently exists will fade away. And that type of behavior just won't be acceptable anymore. Like I don't think it does anything to make poker better. I think it does a lot of things to prop up Phil Hellmuth personally. So you don't think uh, his persona actually attracts viewership and interest? I think it does. I mean, it's got to, right? Like in the same way that like you can't um, take your eyes off a car crash, right? Like polarizing people, polarizing figures, draw eyeballs. And it, I think that's pretty indisputable. I I actually think that, uh, does it really? If anybody else acted like Helmuth does, I feel that there's no way, especially if they were like brand new to the game, there, I think there's no way that they would have I mean, the acceptance of Helmuth. Well, it's, it's just a fact that polarization draws people in. It's compelling, right? That's why Doug does all the things that he does. He's very polarizing, right? And it gets eyeballs and it gets people to watch your stuff. Can I just make a quick comment here? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that polarization is sometimes a necessary condition. I'm not sure if it's sufficient. In other words, if we took all the polarizing people in the world, including our favorite Uncle Jimmy, right? So if we if we brought him here in the podcast, you know, I'm not sure anybody would be very interested in what he has to say because everybody has like some sort of like an ankle who complains about all the stuff all the time. So most of these people are annoying and nobody wants to, to pay attention to. So the question is, is it... Uh, it could be necessary, maybe not. Actually, it's not even necessary. But is it sufficient? So just the fact that somebody's polarizing doesn't make it, um, you know, doesn't no. make them popular. No, they they need to be a compelling figure as well. Right. Like you, you can't just be like, you have to have like people that like you and people that hate you, right? With kind of like nothing in between. So if you're just shitty, well, then everybody just hates you, and that's not good enough. I I I, I would agree with that, and I would also add that. Uh, like to me, and I've mentioned that before, I think Phil Helmuth is incredibly interesting. Now, let's not confuse the word interesting with, you know, other other synonyms, right? Like when, Inter- you, like when somebody plays a hand interesting, oh, that or tells you <laughs> after a pot, you played that hand very interesting. Exactly. It can, be in, it can be interpreted in many, many different ways. But I think he's a very puzzling personality in general, because again, he's very, very compelling, very successful, and he does things that most people would consider uh, hurting his his bottom line, but again, it could help him in 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 the longer term. And it's very very difficult uh, to I think to, to to decipher. But a lot of um, a lot of these tendencies could be explained from a like a deeply you know narcissistic personality. I think. Yeah, let's get Helmuth and a you know psychologist on here, and let's let's really break have a his wife here. even. Yeah, let's have an <laughs> that, intervention. Uh, Philosophical Friday podcast Helmuth intervention.
But that actually gives us a, a really good segue, you know, uh, because one of the things that nobody can uh, accuse uh, Helmuth of is that he's not being authentic, right? I mean, he's totally authentic. I mean, most people, again, we get the sense as poker players. Does any of you get, let me actually ask because I have like three great, two great poker players and a guy with a beard here. So uh, who, like, would you say that the, um, so would you say that feel is uh, authentic? Yes. I would sure. say yes. No, but it's also no. tough to say given that we don't know him personally. Right, exactly. And I mean, it just, it's the sense as, as the poker players. I mean, I get that vibe. I, I used to, you know, I used to play at Bellagio a lot and uh, the floor there was like, uh, you know, Duncan, this guy is, is fake. This is all, this is, not a, a, this is all an image. It's like, is it really though? Is it really though? Like, I mean, I've, 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 I've met- I don't I've think met, you can fake it. Yeah, it's so difficult to fake. I mean, you know, like all the, you know, <laughs> you, senses go, go on. Can you imagine how many, like writing down, like, when he's in the evening, like, I'm going to burn this place down to the ground. Like, that sounds like a good line to me. Like, I'm just going to bust that out. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit about that, you know, uh, authenticity versus proper etiquette. So what is more appealing? Uh, where is the line? And uh, can you perhaps think of, because again, I can think of two opposing examples. On, on one hand, we have uh, Phil Helmuth, you know, which is the definition of authenticity check, proper etiquette, not so much. And then we have someone like uh, Phil Galfand, who's incredible with like uh, etiquette. I mean, I would also say he's authentic. So maybe that's not a that's not a good example. But uh, you're not going to say Phil Galfand's a faker. He's, he's fake I, guys. I, no, I, I love Phil Galfand. He's <laughs> you know like one of my favorite poker players and human beings. So I can't say anything anything wrong about it. Um, but the question is, what do you think is more compelling? You know, like we concentrate on a person which who knows authentic, like uh, Phil Helmuth, and then a person like Phil Galfand, who you know, arguably sitting at that table probably wouldn't be incredibly entertaining to watch. Another question is, I think they're yes. both. So, I think they're both just very similar, like Helmuth, and and then somebody that's kind of fake or inauthentic, right? I, I think they're they're both kind of lazy. That's that's my honest opinion. I think Helmuth's lazy. You, it's he gets angry. It's much easier to just be angry and say whatever it is that's on your mind than to actually do work and try to do better moving forward. And I think the inauthentic person that is just, um, you know, says things and you know that they don't mean them. Uh, just everybody's met somebody at the poker table that is just as fake as you can be. I think that's also lazy, right? It's like, just learn how to be yourself and don't like, you know, pet the fish, don't patronize other human beings who have intelligence. Um, so to me, like they're, both very similar. The the person like somebody like Helmuth, I think it's lazy, and I think the inauthentic person is also lazy. But for whatever it's worth, I would rather have Helmuth than the faker because I don't. I, I just playing with somebody that's like that. It, I just can't. It drives me nuts. Like when somebody's just not authentic to who they are, and when you know that they're just trying to get one over on everybody. I just yeah. That that's my personal preference. I'd rather be yelled at. <laughs> Humberto? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think that uh, I really dislike people who really kind of coddled the fish. And yeah, I, I would rather get yelled at too, I guess. 
Yeah, which could explain a lot. I could explain why he's so popular, right? We could explain why there's so many, uh, you know, people willing to to watch, you know, the the streams. It's not hard to genuinely care about people, right? Like, it, I just that that to me just boggles my mind. It, like, it, it's not hard to be sitting here. Like, we're sitting here playing a game, right? And there's nine people here. the The whole goal is to take each other's money right? This is known when you sit down at the table, I'm playing to take your chips, you're playing to take my chips, we're playing this game against each other. But that doesn't mean that like, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be nice or civil to the human beings that you're interacting with, right? Or, or treat them with respect. Because as I've said many times, playing in high stakes poker games, most everybody at the table, that's a non professional poker player is more successful than me in life else they wouldn't have the funds or the means to be playing this game. So like, yeah, that, that to me, like when people just treat other people with disrespect and are quite patronizing, it just drives me up a wall. Right. But, but, but I would say it also depends where they're coming from. Right. Again, if somebody has, has a personality disorder, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're, they're being justified. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. you're saying they're authentic in their shittiness. <laughs> Correct. And it's, it's like, you know, they, they, they just have to be like, it's incredibly difficult for them to do it. Yeah, and one, that, once again, we, do, we don't have to deal in the same way we don't have to deal with psychopaths. Right. I mean, some some states uh, go as far as actually executing them. I'm not advocating that by any means, but I'm just saying that, you know, there are people who just, you know, either. um I, I bet people's behavior would be much better if there's an executioner walking around <laughs> poker rooms. Just... <laughs> that would be, be, yeah, I mean, that, 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 that would be funny. So, <laughs> but let me ask you another question though. Who would you rather have at the table? Uh, and uh, again, I'm a big fan of Phil Galfon, but like, again, with these amateur players, um, would you have someone like, uh, like Phil Helmuth or Phil Galfon? It's going to, to be hard play to say. against or to watch to watch we're talking about watching yeah like you, okay. you yeah i i would choose galfon just personally because i i really enjoy watching high level play mm. L- let me ask you this who would you think an amateur would like more to watch like uh phil 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 helmuth and a bunch of amateurs or phil galfon and a bunch of amateurs i i think by far helmuth i think helmuth really uh shows off some version of poker's like reality tv (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah this is uh this is this is interesting it's all like it's all like uh projection though right like i mean for all i know like the youtubers that battled against helmuth loved the experience and they had a super ton of fun right and like they want to do it again so like you know my my opinion and my perspective is quite different than the folks who are actually in the arena playing with him. So, cool. yeah, I mean, I would rather watch Phil Galfond as well. Like, it's hard for me to say anybody other than Phil Galfond, but like, you know, we'd have to take a poll of the folks that battled against Helmuth, you know? Absolutely. And that's why I'm saying it's such a difficult thing to dissect because mm-hmm. people are having a lot of fun. I mean, I know Ninja and, and Phil were like hitting it off. They were having a lot of time, fun time. Even even Alex, she was like, you know, uh, she was niddling Phil the whole time. So, yeah. I mean, now, to, 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 to be fair, uh, we're talking about very 
you know, successful streamers and the type of abuse they get through chat on a daily basis. Like Phil Helmuth is a walk in the park. I mean, you've no idea like, what's going into these streams. I mean, yeah, it's just just crazy. I can't and, I can't play a video game without getting yelled at and harassed and just the worst things that any human has ever said oh, to yeah. me through the voice of an 11 year old kid playing on the other <laughs> end, just beating my ass. Like I, you know, it's, it's terrible. So like in that sense, professional gamers have probably dealt with substantially more abuse from, you know, 13 year old, 14 year old kids going through all their hormones and puberty who are just, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine that actually. I think you may be underestimating the amount of adults who play video games and, you know, like uh, how how brutal adults can be. You know, at least the kids are kids. You know, you, you will know from the things that they're saying that they're kids, you know, but uh, all cops and all that stuff. But you can see some adults raging. I know because I have I've seen them. <laughs> I rage, but I, I just don't ever think to, like, put my headset on and, like, rage at the people I'm playing against, you know. Right. So, um I guess another question we can ask is, how would you rate our poker image? And that's actually a very broad question, right? I mean, how would you rate our entire poker image? And maybe I can share some of my experience too with the academic community. Spoiler alert, it's it's not good. So how would you rate our, our poker image in general? Humberto, you want to take that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, to the general population, I, I would say our image is like a two and a half out of 10. Mm-hmm. Something, something very low. Mm -hmm. How and do you know, though? Just from my experience talking to people, um, most people, first of all, don't know very much about poker. Like the first question you get is like, oh, can you count cards? And, you know, they don't know that much. But then afterwards, uh, I cannot, I cannot. <laughs> but um, after, after that, it's, it's like, oh, like they, they really look, I, I would say what's something that Doyle Bronson said, which is like, they, they like look at you like a second class citizen. Yeah. I, th I still I think, think that's somewhat true today. I mean, I actually disagree. And I think that's projection from, from you because I've had so many interactions with human beings that are not poker players that don't really um, understand the world of poker that are just interested. And in, I never get the sense that they're like, looking down on me or judging me but but let me ask you a question on that because i think it's important mm -hmm. do you think they respect you or do you think they respect poker i don't know i mean probably not poker but but the the thing is like the original question right of like what's the outside perception of the poker world well i don't think the person that doesn't know what poker is is a good judge like that's not the the audience that we're polling here they have to have some cursory understanding of what poker is to make that judgment i would think right else it doesn't matter what Helmuth does it doesn't matter what any poker pro does um they're just going to watch rounders or they're going to watch some poker movie where everybody's cheating or tilt on espn where the whole point of the show is just for everybody to cheat everybody else and then that's where their perception is going to be and you know doesn't matter what ambassadors or promoters of the game say or do because they never hold any influence over that person. I see. But you, you don't think that a lot of the the positive or at least the neutral or the positive, whatever reaction you get has to do with you specifically, that they know they're talking to you 
So, yes, I'm much more likable than Humberto. I think that maybe that's the, <laughs> that's, the key that's just the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I think it has to do with me because that's that's what else are they going to judge, right? Like, they, if they have no basis to judge the profession or the game, then the next thing that they're going to do is judge the person that they're talking to. That's correct, exactly, and and I think that a lot of people, you know, when they talk, at least you know, personal personal experience. Uh, a sample of one, right? You know, when they when they come to you, usually it's because there is some sort of cognitive dissonance. It's like, how come a nice person like you has like a terrible, you know, profession like that? You know, there must be something interesting here. Like, help me resolve that dissonance. Help me resolve that 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 issue. And I mean, academically, that uh, our our image has hurt me tremendously, because I you know I, I tried to teach that class for uh, for credit. And um, at UCLA, and basically they said, you know, we have a huge, 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 huge issue and backlash from the parents. And, you know, we have to be incredibly, you have to be incredibly careful. And I, and I, I respect that. I understand that. You know, I'm not, uh, if anything, and anybody who's, who's listening to the podcast knows that, you know, I'm not trying to promote, I don't even place bets in roulette. Like to, to, to get an idea. I don't I, I don't gamble at a casino at any other game that I don't think I have an edge. I'm 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 a huge nit when it comes to gambling. Like the yeah. worst. The, right? the, the parents have the problem with uh playing poker, but not so much the hundred thousand dollars in educational expenses that they have to pay back over the course of their lifetime that probably doesn't guarantee a job anyway, right? Which there is you go. the, there the you go. worst gamble that that you could you could ask for, right? There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely right. And that's the irony. And they don't get it. And, and the idea that life is, you know, take constant risks and then you help people understand, not necessarily find the answers, but at least learn how to ask the right questions. You know, when that would be a right question to ask, am I going to ever get a return on that, you know, um, on, on that investment? Is college the only way? Spoiler alert, the answer is a resounding no, you know. And this comes from somebody who spent, you know, 20 years in education, you know, so that's not, you know, the answer is, is a, a resounding no. So, you know, that's, that's what poker can teach. Poker can teach the idea of learning how to take responsible gambles, understanding that gambles are unavoidable around us. So we might as well embrace it instead of just saying, oh, it's not there. You know, my kid doesn't have to gamble. My kid doesn't have to be a, what we don't want to be is degenerates. But other than that, you know, gambling is unavoidable. You know, Brad was saying last week, you know, you get out of your, uh, of your house, you know, the dangers out there. Sorry, Brad. Yeah, I mean, you get a job, right? Like this is sort of how I was raised and, and the career path of most of my family is you, they get a job, they work at it for like 40 years and then they retire and then that's it, right? And, and like that's stability. But to me, you know, I watched my, my grandfather when you know, his business changed, they stripped away everything that he had worked for his whole life on a dime to save the company money. Right. And then mm -hmm. he was forced into retirement. And like, I've seen that, that scenario play out again and again and again. And the reality is when you're subject, when you're just uh, a cog in the wheel and your company can let go of you at any time, that's quite a gamble. That's quite a risk. You can wake up one day having all your bills paid and having a plan. And then the next day you wake up and you have no plan and you have no job. And all of a sudden, you know, say you're in your fifties, right? Um, how do you get a career that pays as much as the one that just fired you? Because there's entry level people like, right? So it's like, all of that is a gamble. And like, 
really, to me, that's something that like most human beings just miss about this life experience is that like all these decisions, there's inherent risk when you put all your eggs in the one job basket. Well, if that person doesn't want you around, well, all of a sudden you've got a major, major, major problem. And let me double down on this because actually you're making an excellent point and you're talking about the private sector. The government, who some people rely on, can be even worse. You know, as, as you know, I'm Greek and uh, there, there was a financial crisis a few years ago that still is going in, in Greece. So my father's pension got cut to one third at some point. So here's a person who's been working 40 years, you know, steady job to have a nice and retirement. And all of a sudden the government decides, you know what? Too much debt. We're just going to cut, you know, the pensions of everybody to one third. So you guys cannot afford, you know, uh, to, 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 pay, to pay rent anymore. You know, so you're absolutely correct. So if people understood, you know, what, what gambling means, what taking risk is, you know, people sometimes make fun of me for, for having, you know, like doing so many different things, you know, but that's, that's the real thing. That's how you protect yourself. You, you might diversify business-wise. You do not say, oh, I'm going to keep one job. Do you know how risky this is? Having one job for one company, this is such a huge risk. But if Absolutely. people don't understand risk, that's the thing, you know. So, yeah. But, uh, and it's, 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 it's okay. I mean, I don't understand risk either. We're not wired to understand risk. Risk is a complicated thing. That's why we have to, to, to study about it. Very well said, Brad. Yes. Um, and uh, but of course, if you were to say something like that in academia, you know, I don't think they would listen to you. That's that's the problem. Even though you're yeah. laying out such a, such an incredible argument, you know, a like academia how has never really accepted me, <laughs> and I've had no interest in engaging with them. So um, could really, yeah, not care about that 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 side of it, right? right? Because like the react, like I, I just don't understand because it, it's so obvious to me that thinking about it from a different perspective or like just dismissing that uh, i just don't understand how you can just outright dismiss the risks that we all take in every single area of our lives every single day it's a part of being human and to me it's one of my favorite parts of being a human it's doing something and not knowing what's going to happen right, right. like that to me is qu quite fun it it's enhances my human experience Exactly. And, and if I were to go a little bit, you know, sort of like philosophical on, on this, I think the reason is because people in, uh, think uh, that risk can be eradicated. This is very similar to, uh, okay, you know, I, I lost with a set here. Duncan, how do I play this hand so that I don't lose with the set? I don't want to lose with the set. How do I how do I change this? You know, was it a mistake that that I raised there on, on on four to a flush? Maybe I could have you know folded earlier. Like I don't put the thin value bet on the river. I I, I don't do the bet folding. Maybe I should uh, you know what should I do? Should we, should I turn it into a bluff? Like how do I turn this hand so I don't lose with it? Yeah. Well, the answer is you can't. You embrace the loss, and that is the thing I think that humans have the hardest time with. Or you know like. At some point, we have to feel comfortable with loss. At some point, we have to feel comfortable with not knowing. At some point, we have to feel comfortable with risk. That is the only way out because yep. those things are not going to be eliminated exactly the same way that we have to feel comfortable with our own death if we were to get super deep about it. Yeah, most questions that come in the community from um, you know the lower six players who are trying to grind their way up are framed in such a way that are not actually looking for strategic feedback. 
they're framed in a way that's trying to avoid the negative emotion that they felt when they lost. And that's it, right? And the answer is shockingly that you just have to learn how to deal with the emotions of a negative outcome better. That's it. That's all you can do, right? Um, and that's, that's really what it boils down to. Like you, there's no, like no risk style of poker where you avoid making mistakes. It just isn't possible. And so, you know, most people want strategic feedback when really they're looking for like emotional support. Correct. So they're looking for how to go to the fifth stage of, of grief in the Kubler Ross, right? Get to acceptance. <laughs> that's, that's basically right. what we, mm-hmm. what we have to do, but but to, to go back to, to, to that question, okay, so Humberto gave a 2.5 out of 10 of, of our poker image. Brad, what, what number would you give? Like, just like how is... I don't know. I, I don't think I can answer the question because I don't... I mean, it depends, right? Like where's the person coming? Do they just watch World Poker Tour on TV? Do they watch just watch WSOP? In which case, probably pretty high, right? Mm. Do they participate in poker Twitter every day? Well, probably pretty low. Um, Let's say that we interviewed like thousand people around the world randomly, and we asked them to rate, you know, poker from zero to ten. You know, like uh, what, 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 what average do you think that? Uh... And, and what is the the criteria here? the The question is like the image. What is their perceived image? Uh, yes. Of the how, how do you how do you perceive? You know, like uh, how what do you think of poker as part of society? Like, I think it would be much higher than you would expect. Okay. What, what, what would I expect? And what would you think? Well, just curious. much higher than Humberto expects. Okay. <laughs> much higher than the 2.5. I, I think that it's got to be seven to eight. I okay. Okay. But I do have a follow-up question for Humberto because I think it's, it's, it's very important. So what do you think, if anything can be done, Humberto, so that 2.5 uh, becomes three, four, and maybe five, you know, or higher than that. <laughs> if what, we try what, really hard. If we try really hard. <laughs> and if I'm not pessimistic about it? <laughs> oh, you can be pessimistic. You can say oh, nothing okay. can be done. You can do anything I, you want. This is a... I think that we've, you know, poker's been around like, what, long time, hundreds of years. And right. uh, I think we're at least at an age where it's becoming more sophisticated, probably, you know, about as sophisticated as it'll ever be with, you know, solvers and everything. And uh, as as much as it will ever be sportified, we'll say. And I still think that there's still a, a stigma around poker. And so I can't imagine that there's much that can be done. I think a small thing that can be done is uh, what Poker Stars was doing before, which is which is uh, having ambassadors be sports icons. Mm-hmm. Who would you consider like good ambassador? If you were to give me five names, ten names, however many names you want, not in a particular order, like which, which names come to mind? Like as we, I was speaking, um, who are actual poker players or or a- a- anybody you think would be good for the game? Maybe the ex-president, uh, you know, Obama. <laughs> I mean, he used to play poker a lot, so I don't know. Whoever comes to mind. <laughs> um, you see, I only know people in poker which is the problem <laughs> that's but, okay that's okay you can say those names yeah whatever I, we have our experiences whatever our experience may be who's already an ambassador it can can it be who either is an ambassador or you would like them to be an ambassador because again this is your we, magic we, wand humberto oh, I, I, would, I would say i would say brad brad yeah well i, I would agree I would, with you 100 yeah. i would say brad, brad would be a great ambassador 
And I was going to say Tom Brady, but Tom Brady. Brady. (laughs) You see, I agree. I agree with you with Brad because he has two important, I think, characteristics. Like he he's very personable and sociable, which I think is important at the poker table. And at the same time, he cares for humans like he is like, you know, He's a family person, a real family person, you know, no, not any serious personality disorders that we can see, or you're hiding them very well, Brad. So congratulations either way. You know, I think, I think that's, that's actually, that's, that's very good. Yeah. I, I, I feel pretty humbled and uh, don't really know what to say. Honestly, that's, that's very kind, Humberto. You, you can pick your own. You can pick like, you know, like somebody like uh, Phil Galfin. People like Tom, that. Tom Brady. I already did it. Pay- Tom Brady. Oh, okay. Okay. You were Manning. serious. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. If we're yeah. looking at like a- actual people that have uh, influence, cloud and influence in mm-hmm. like the United States, then I would say Michael Phelps, kind maybe of Mike, Michael Phelps, who, mm-hmm. who is I, actually I, a poker player. Right. That's why I mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, and Michael Jordan's played poker before, you know, Bill Gates likes to play poker. So all of these people are. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the people that we we revere the most you know we we elected a reality tv show host as the president of the united states right so it's clear the things that we value um so i i would just say you know somebody like uh like tom brady peyton manning um mm-hmm. drew Brees, just mm-hmm. the the icons of the sports world would probably be my first guess or my first choices beautiful so it sounds to me, and I think that's interesting. It, it sounds to me, and, and it, it would make a lot of sense. And like my wife said, Duncan, finish your sentence. You know, I'm going to try to. It's, it's difficult sometimes. But uh, it sounds to me that some of these magic wand solutions come from outside the poker world. And I think that tells us something. I think that's just even instinctively, I think that's it, it's telling of something. It's telling us that, you know, like as, as poker players, we're inside our bubble and we have specific limitations that were very difficult to escape from. So if something could help poker, it could be some sort of like outside uh, help or influence. And I actually felt that when I, when I, I didn't watch uh, the, the uh, Hustle Casino live last week when we, when we recorded the, uh, the show. But then because everybody was talking about it, I watched it and it feels completely different than anything I've ever seen. It's such an such a celebration of the game it's beautiful you know like money's flying around you know amateurs are winning pots which is great there's huge tipping of the dealers people are talking they're playing until four o'clock in the morning everything is great except for one thing that we we, we talked about but you know but everything the is ambassador. so be- <laughs> yeah, exactly. except for anything that is poker related you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean it's like everything that's yeah. coming from the poker world it's so ironic and at the same time I'm dealing with my own cognitive dissonances, right? Because here we have, you know, one arguably one of the greatest um, tournament players uh, in the world, at least uh, judging by by um, bracelets, and we see that you know something doesn't add up. You know, like there is there is this conflict, and it's such a beautiful celebration of the game. I don't know if you guys, how do you guys feel? Did you guys watch it? How do you feel about watching watching that session? Any any emotions that any thoughts? Humberto, do you want to take that? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I thought that Tell Me If wasn't as egregious as as I was kind of led to believe from my friends. Um, Tell Me If, I think, did do some stuff that I don't think he should have done. I, I, after that, I, I thought the action was was unbelievable. Like, mm. it, and, and from 
the professionals as well, like, well, only Alan Keating, really. Tom Dolan was kind of asleep. <laughs> but Alan was, like, all in 200K with 9-4 offsuit or something. I'm like, what right. the, what's going on? And then uh, I, I would say the most action was driven from Alan Keating and, and Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast, obviously, straddling for 25,000. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, it was pretty much all of the non-professionals were were in there just just open raising to like 10x and then right. and then getting min three bet by mr beast and it was it was fun and exciting and and i haven't watched an eight hour stream in a long time and i watched the whole thing oh yeah yeah i mean it, it was it was interesting you know and the lines too you know like some of the lines were absolutely hilarious as you would expect from successful you know streamers brad um I haven't watched the stream in full. I, yeah. Uh, unlike Humberto, I, I I don't have eight hours to invest. In <laughs> oh, the needles! Oh, the needles! <laughs> and you're more likable, Brad. You're living a much better existence than me. You, Brad, do you want to bet on who has the better existence? <laughs> Would you mind where your mouth is? I like this. I like this. I like this. How, how do we quantify this, Humberto? Um, no, I, I mean, I think that yeah, there, there's. Uh, I'm kind of at a loss right now. So could you ask the question again? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, what, what did you think about, you know, the vibe of the game? The, the What kind of emotions did that game trigger you compared to other games you've watched in the past? Oh, it was because joy, right? Joy, like, okay. It, it, it was joy. Everybody was having fun. Everybody was having a blast. Well, except for one person. Um, and, and I think that like, that's the beauty of the game. That's why we all fell in love with the game. It, it reminded me of playing a $20 freeze out with all of your friends when nobody knows what the hell is going on, right? Which are some of the most joyful memories and experiences of my entire poker career. So like, yeah, that I think that was a great callback to, to all those things. And um, yeah. I would, I would agree with you 100%. And you know, like that's part of the reason why we sort of like came back to that conversation, to be honest with you, because again, I, I sort of like, you know, watched that hand where everybody was saying he, uh, Phil Helmuth was angling. And I mean, it was clearly not angling. He was trying to give the cards to Thomas. Well, like, okay, there's nothing interesting about, about that, uh, uh, that whole show, but it turns out, you know, it was so different than everything that I've, I've watched before. And it reminded me, you know, of what a great opportunity it is to actually let other people come into the game, which I thought it would be it would be interesting. And what potentially, I mean, it's difficult to tell, um, a lost opportunity with some of the berating and all of that stuff it could have been, or maybe not, I mean, because who knows? Well, but, it seemed to be a success and everybody's talking about success. it. I would say one thing that I did learn was the influence that the commentators have on the perception of actions in the game, right? Because I think a lot of, oh, yeah. you know, like what Humberto was saying that, he watched it back because everybody was talking about how terrible Helmuth was and all of that. Like, I think that stemmed pretty directly from Tuckman thinking that Helmuth folded and announcing that he folded when he slid his cards to Tom Dwan, which I'm not blaming Tuckman here, but that, as I said last week, I think that was a camera angle issue more than anything, but like, and, and it, you know, you, you kind of, as somebody that watched, has watched a lot of sports, over the course of my life, you recognize when you watch a football game, the influence that the commentators have on decision-making because they, they judge things in one way that all of a sudden the audience is now primed to look at things through only that lens. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that like, 
commentators actually have a lot more influence than I, I really thought um, is one big takeaway from that whole that whole thing. Excellent. And would you, do you guys like to see more of these in the future? Yeah, of course. I would. 100%. I, I think to what we were saying about how how to really help poker is is to get outside people to to play and and to be on live streams i i mean i think the most interesting part of the live stream was 100 percent all of the gamers and 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 the chess players yeah and if you're a high level gamer or youtuber send me an email brad at chasing pokergreatness.com we'll, we'll get you coached up and uh that would be something that i would be interested in is these folks who are you know relatively new to the game looking to join the game helping coach them up and teach them and and, and it looked like that uh, alex like i got that sense that alex had been at least uh, she she she's a chess player so she 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 knows how to uh process information and, and many of these guys are gamers also you know they, they they know how to process information it was actually amazing in certain spots how they adapted right i mean there were situations where they would say you know phil i'm not going to give you any action you know they they you know they, they realized it was it was funny it was they were actually you know re responding to that um but speaking of which, which is uh, exactly what you want in that game right a game where everybody's giving action to everybody and the one poker pro is the player at the table <laughs> they don't want to give action to like that's it's, they're oh smart kids <laughs> yes uh, ninja actually trapped alan keating so Al he knew alan was just putting yeah. in all of the money and he, he check called top pair top kicker yeah yeah, that, that, that was that was awesome. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, these guys are very, very, very intelligent. So so now that brings us to, I guess, one final question. At the risk of potentially ruining something which is great, you know, if it end broke, don't fix it. What would you fix about, you know, this uh again, magic wand? What would you fix about this stream if you were to do it again? If you were working for high stakes productions, what would you tell them to do differently? And uh, maybe again, start with uh, you know uh, Humberto, our, our guest today. How would you do it? Maybe I would make it six-handed and just literally take out Phil and and Tom that were no action, and six-handed incentivizes you to play more hands, so that would be more exciting. So six players, all of them YouTubers, like all of them, uh, no, no professionals. Uh, I think we can have one professional. That that's a lot of action. Say Alan Keating. Mm, okay putting in infinite money because i i think there there should be some like there needs to be a high level exact player repre representing i think like I, I think that that there's a segment of the audience that only wants to watch for uh watching higher level players and i and i don't think alan keating is like really trying to play at a very high level in that setting uh, incidentally, what what do you guys think he, he he was going through his mind? Like, was he trying to be invited there again? Was he just trying to put the gamble? I think he was trying to get action in other games. Okay, okay. And is that action worth a million dollars? Who knows? Maybe one point one million, even. <laughs> yeah, one point one. That, that that's well, right. There, there's Brad, somebody Brad, out there that that has the data points and can make that judgment. And so I guess you can just extrapolate from that as you will. For sure. What would you would you do, Brad? Uh, Magic wand and everything. What would you change? I would just replace Helmuth with a more fun poker player, like you know maybe Esfandiari or ah. just 
somebody that's fun, talkative, that's going to straddle, um, but is also, you know, going to play high level poker at the same time. Good. Yeah, so some people suggested JRB or Daniel Negranu. I think Svandiari is, is an excellent choice, I think. He's uh, very yeah, good I think at, Daniel, at talking. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Daniel would be a, a good choice as well. Maybe Phil Locke, you know, he would Phil do Locke. some crazy things and obviously uh, straddle and, and all that stuff. Last I saw Phil Locke, he was playing at the half a million guarantee tournament in, uh, in Hustler about a few years ago. I haven't seen him in, in, in a while. I don't, I don't know his, his whereabouts. Yeah, me, me neither. Um, Last time I saw him, he was playing high stakes commerce. We were battling in cash games at commerce, uh, but I, I think he's still around. He he's still doing his thing. That's really good. Uh, well, okay, put in Phil Locke and Antonio Esfandiari. Oh, oh yeah, and then all the streamers, and then that to me is like, oh, that's that's a recipe for amazingness. Do you guys remember a TV show that, I mean, uh, Humberto, probably you do if you've watched a lot of the stuff, like a, a show called I Bet You that uh, yes. Antonio, yeah. uh, how awesome would it be if it was, uh, for the listener, uh, t- tell us, wh- what was that show? Tell us a little bit for the listener. What it was, was that? essentially Phil Locke and Antonio gambling on literally like whatever, you know, Just who can run around. across the street the fastest, yeah. like... <laughs> Yeah. I have to say, I watched that show as well. That was so <laughs> oh, wow. good. My favorite was when they were betting, I mean, you know, uh, they were betting on a woman's underwear. That was like the best, the best thing. And then who's going to ask the question was the, the, the most interesting part of it all. Uh, the, the color of her underwear. That was amazing. Uh, that would be interesting. You know, having, you know, to, and actually doing side bets. That would be amazing. Like, you yeah, know, just the needling and like the needling. mocking. I mean, yeah. it, it would just be endless fun, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and and play the uh, uh, the the London game, whatever it was called, you know, L- like London you know, things, yeah, yeah, right, London things, right, exactly. So mm-hmm. that's that would be pretty pretty interesting, I think. And then they can they can get involved, they can get the the streamers yeah. involved. You guys just like. just call me. Uh, I'm the booking guy. I'll put these put these matchups together, and you guys can go. Let's make it happen. Let's make <laughs> it happen. Excellent. So. What did we not, did not cover? I think we, we covered a whole range of, of things. Is there anything else anybody wanted to? Was there to? a topic? I can't even remember what the topic was. Pro- promoting we, poker, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, we went here and everywhere. Um, but no, I, I don't have anything else. I think it was, a, it was a great discussion. And thank you, Humberto, for hopping on. Really appreciate your time and your energy. Um, for having me, guys. Oh, absolutely. Humberto, do you have anything else to, to add? Anything that... Uh, you want to see or you saw anything that surprised you uh, um, or I would say that that we could also do some more of doing the other side of, of having poker professionals uh, go into other areas. I, th- I think uh, Daniel Negrano did something. Uh, I think it was called Pog Champs, which is like Pog a chess, tur- chess mm-hmm. tournament. So stuff like that, I think would be great. Yeah, that, that was that would be really, really nice. Yeah. So and uh, we can get some. Yeah, exposure tom, tom wheaton at above the felt he's also doing a good job of like basically putting poker players get, getting them gigs um through his connections in the business world and all that sort of thing and i i think more stuff like that is you know ultimately good for poker as well and we and and, and i think uh brad we do have a a pod coming up at some point to to talk about games you know some things that you know us poker players would be interested in 
I know you've mentioned Path of Exile here before, so I'm going to hear all about it at some point. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's not, let's <laughs> the not dark talk days, about those days. The yeah. dark days of POE. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure, gentlemen. It was really, really fun. Yeah, great stuff, guys. We'll, I'll uh, see, see you next week. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast. Thank you.